I Hurt is a podcast for all young people who have been wounded in their heart, in their relationship with God, in their body or in reputation. I Hurt is for those who daily, often silently, cry, I hurt, but feel unheard. You aren't. I Hurt stands on the truth that Jesus Christ loves you and God your Father grieves deeply over what has been done or said to or about you. I Hurt is about God first, then about us. We believe God too cries, I hurt. Not only over the things done to us, but he equally hurts over the things done by us that hurt others and hurt him. Podcast I Hurt. I'm your host, Brad Ringer, and I've got a couple of guests uh, here in my living room with me. First of all, Jody, uh, who is from England. Hello. 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 Yes. Yeah, so Hello. <laughs> say something in a non English accent. Uh, what? Water. Water. <laughs> we say, well, how do you say it? Water. Water. Sounds so much better. Water, water bottle. So sophisticated. Yeah, yeah. So we've spent years tormenting each other about our language differences here and things. But uh, Jody uh, is married, mother of two, uh, full-time ministry too. Uh, you have your hands in children's ministry, youth ministry, podcast, book writing. You do a lot. So, yeah. right? Just a bit. <laughs> Just a bit. <laughs> in fact, would you say it's safe to say sometimes you might overdo it? Yes. Okay. I, okay. I like... To say yes to things. <laughs> okay. um, but I'm learning to stay in my lane. God is working on me in that area. But you've had a lot of great experiences because of that. Yeah. Um, we were talking before we started the podcast tonight, and Jody reminded me something that one of the foundational passages of Scripture that we based this podcast on is in Ezekiel, right? Mm -hmm. And since we're just starting, we thought it would be important that maybe you would hear these verses because it really does, uh, I think, summarize our hearts for this podcast. So, uh, Jody, you want to take it over? Yeah, this is from Ezekiel 34, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, Shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered, because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth, with none to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey, and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts, since there was no shepherd. And because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves, and have not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. 
Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand, and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths, that they may not be food for them. Every time, Jody, we read that passage of scripture, it just seems to hurt a little more. And I just, as you were reading it, I was listening to some of the phrases there about these hurt sheep who are unsearched for. Mm -hmm. I, just, I just don't understand the church that can hurt people, or Christians, we can hurt people and not feel a responsibility to go after them. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes it's unintentional, sometimes it is intentional, but, you know, there's a lot of things that our listeners, and I'm sure even in this room, you know, we've had hurts in our lives because we had um, said there are people that were uh, harsh with us or forceful in the way they ruled over us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, those hurts are very real and are very damaging. And if you're out there and you've been hurt and damaged and not received feeding and care from, you know, the Christian community or ministers that you know, we want you to know that's a, a microcosm. There are men and women out there who love the Lord, who seek after hurt people and really care for them. And it's our heart that we would be an answer to the Lord's prayer then to be those people who go out and just help some of these people who come out in such harsh environments. Um, we have a special guest in uh, studio with us today. It's Lexi. Alexis. Even, I don't know what I'm supposed to call you sometimes, but Lexi's okay. Right? I like it when you call me Okay, All right. um, we told you um, in our introduction to iHeart that when we have guests on here, they had to have a few qualities that were essentials. One would be people that we knew, and we've known you for a good couple years now, had you over for dinner a number of times, and this girl loves to eat. It's a pleasure being over here <laughs> for dinner. I'm just airing it all out, so now everybody that listens to this is going to like want uh, an invite. All right, dinner. well, let's do this, all right? <laughs> I asked Lexi to be a guest on the podcast, and what was one of the first things you asked me? Do you have something for me to eat? Yeah, that's right. Was I going to make some food for you her? You make some food when I'm done talking? Brad is yeah. the best, one of the best cooks. And it's the presentation, too. Yeah, it was, it was good. Oh, yeah. shucks. <laughs> He's blushing. I'm blushing. <laughs> All right. Just, I don't have much of a personality, so I rely on food. Um, okay. So, but, you know, we've gotten to know you and your husband, Dave. You guys have been married how long now? It's going to be three years. Three years. This spring. So you're kind of newlyweds in a way. In a way. In a way, yes. yeah. yeah. And um, <laughs> you're worship leaders. Yes. Right? And worship is a love that both of you have. Absolutely. And worship actually has played a big role mm -hmm. in some of your healing, hasn't it? For sure. Okay. And um, I know that we've kind of walked through the last couple of years in getting to know uh, Lexi. And one of the things that she's communicated to us was is that when you were a teenager, when you were younger, mm -hmm. you were in some very legalistic, um, controlling type of um, churches and environments. Yeah. And it really hurts you. Okay. Do you want to give us a little bit of idea of what it was like when you were like an adolescent, a teenager, some of the things you went through? Yeah, for sure. Okay. So I think I was about seven years old when my parents um, brought us to this church, and they enrolled me in the school system at the time. And church school? Yeah, church okay. school. Yep, the school was in the church. And this particular church was like fundamental, independ independent, King James Version only Old-time religion, Bible-believing Baptist church. I'm not lying. They would say that from the pulpit. 
it. Yeah, that's Everything, the whole. That was the spiel. <laughs> like that's what it was. <laughs> the acronym would right? be a word. So yeah. That's what it was. So, yeah. I mean, where to even begin with how that like affects you growing up in that? Because I grew up in it. Like seven is such a very. Tender, what was your personality at seven? Oh, so shy, like painfully, okay. like completely keep to myself, like painfully shy. And then like, you know, like being that way in that type of environment, you totally get looked over. Like you're lost. You're like one of those sheep in that verse mm-hmm. that you just said you are. No one's going to be looking for you. Mm-hmm. Like it was very much survival mode for myself 24-7. So you felt unseen. Oh, absolutely. And unheard. And I was. Yeah. And like. No, so it isn't that you felt that way. You it, were. Was, it was the truth. Okay. Yeah. Like actually before I came here, I was thinking of the story this was a huge moment for me um, because I was so painfully shy. The kids would exclude me from things. Like the girls would never really want to play with me or talk to me. Um, the kids were very, I don't know what the right word, they were very mean mm-hmm. because, you know, in school, like the strictness with, especially towards the girls with like the skirts down to the ankles and the shirts up to here and no makeup and you can't dye your hair and you know women, you're not allowed to express yourself no no expression women submit to men and you can't question the authority especially you don't question the authority of a man and like you know we were beaten with that at such a tender age and then you know you're beaten with that at school and then you go home and those same teachings are taught to you at home because the parents go to that church and stuff like mm-hmm. these kids we never could escape it yeah so i think it turned kids into very so did you get angry even at a young age? Um, or were you get more hurt at, and it developed into anger later? Yeah, it was it started off with hurt and then it and then it went into anger. Okay. Um but it would yeah, I mean it made kids really mean and really cruel. Like I was definitely talked to very cruelly cuz I'm a little bit darker skin than most of the kids oh, that wow. were going to that church were and I looked different. My really? Mom, and they Yeah, they would say I can't Okay, no, that's really fine. I, I don't think you need yeah. to say it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. okay. Like, my that's mom's crazy. from South America, so I think they would look at her, and then they would just, like, pick on So there was a prejudice there, too. Oh, a huge prejudice. Okay. Yeah. And then, like, the exclusion. And um, going back to the story, but anyway, like, a teacher must, must have seen this happening. They must have seen that this group of girls wasn't letting me, like, play with them or whatever. And she told, um, who was, I guess she would have been, like, maybe a supervisor at the time, like, someone higher up um it was a woman and she called me into her office and she sat me down and she's like you know what's going on alexis what's going on like you know so and so told me that the kids are not treating you properly and like i just i burst into tears mm-hmm. like like i couldn't even breathe i was crying so bad mm-hmm. because no one had ever asked me right like what's wrong did that person ask out of concern or was it more informational she asked me and like I could not stop crying like I must have been crying for five minutes straight and the whole time I'm crying she's like what happened can you tell me I need to know and like finally she was just fed up with me crying and she's like Alexis stop crying stop crying what is wrong and like I like am I crying now <laughs> like, okay. I'll never forget that because that was the day I realized like I'm really alone yeah like they don't care about me like, no one's looking out for me. Like, I am alone. Yeah. 
And is that, I mean, the central issue of all the hurt? Oh, that was... The deep loneliness? Yeah, that day was a turning point for me. Like, after that day, that was it. I didn't cry for, like, 15 years after that. There we go. There we go. Thank you. Man, this is awful. (laughs) You got us crying, too, so... Yeah, like, that was was the turning point for me. Yeah. Can't forget that day. Like, it finally happened. Like, all the years of just trying to beat you down and make you conform to this, like, cold Christian robot. Like, mm-hmm. like it, it just, you can't take it after a certain point and you just do it. Yeah. Just and, to survive. Yeah, and you had gone that through a few years, so you're yeah. kind of ad- going towards adolescence Yeah, now. I was still super young. I mean, I was probably, like, nine years old yeah. when this happened. And it didn't change. No. Quickly. I mean, you were in that environment for a number of years, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. Um, Okay. Jody, what's your thoughts? I keep thinking about fear. Mm-hmm. Like, how much fear did you feel about having to conform? And what would happen if you didn't? Like, was was that was fear even emotion that you felt? Um, or was it more just the loneliness? It was the loneliness. Because I was in it so young that I didn't know any different. You right. know what I mean? Like, I didn't know that there was another way of life. I was in it so young. But, like, I always felt alone because, like, in those in those types of churches and in those environments, like, you're super, super sheltered. Yeah. Like, I remember, like, um, different classmates and stuff, they wouldn't even talk to their own family that wasn't saved. Like, if they weren't Christians, like, you didn't talk to them. Like, they would only socialize and be around other Baptist-believing, like, people. Yeah. So you're so sheltered. Like, you have no idea about... So you're living, really, in an alternate universe. Oh, yeah. It sure. really is not attached no, to reality. No, it's not attached to reality at all. And but it's the only reality you knew. It was the only reality I knew. <laughs> yeah, but that loneliness, like, something in you at that age knew something is wrong. Like, I am truly alone. Yeah. And did you have an awareness of, like, I don't, this isn't right? Did you have that, like feeling of this this can't be right this can't be what life is about I would have like moments when things were really bad like that story I just told you like I just knew there was something wrong with that like yeah. how could you like talk to a child that way mm-hmm. like and make them feel like they're just bothering you or like a hindrance to you like in those big bad moments or like when I would see a kid at their desk sobbing literally just sobbing because they got a detention slip and they knew that when they got home and their offense well, was relatively <laughs> small. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. It wasn't anything major. No, usually. it wasn't anything anything major. Like, in those moments, I knew, like, this is just crazy. Okay, so to a, to a little girl, you know, you've been in this environment for a while, it had mm-hmm. to uh, skew your view of God. You know what? That's the amazing thing. Through all of that, I always knew that God wasn't what they were portraying him to be. I don't know. I think that that was a God thing because a lot of people that I've talked to that have come out of that, I've asked them, like, what is the biggest thing that you have struggled with coming out of it? And they'll say this feeling like God is just angry at me all the time and he's just this tyrant, like, ready to throw, like, fireballs at me Mm -hmm. the minute I do something wrong. Mm -hmm. And I've never felt that. Wow. That's unusual. Yeah. I think... I think because I was so alone and so desperate, he was literally all I had. Yeah. 
So yeah. I think. Were you were you starting to get into music and worship then? No, because I, I was too shy, yeah. I, and there was no opportunities for that. Like in the because you were a girl or in the church. Um, they just it never was like a big thing in that church, and then, it wasn't really like worship teams and those kind of things. It really. was congregational singing and yeah, yeah, and they had like little groups. But here's the thing, like, like any music with like a drum was like no, can't do it. Mm-hmm. Like the only music that we would hear in church would be a piano and people singing. That's it. No instruments, no rhythm, no beat. Like they didn't believe in any of that. Okay. So there was no outlet for even like creativity that way. So let's move into your like your high school years. Mm-hmm. Now you've gone, you've been in this for eight, ten years. Yeah. Um, tell us about your high school experience in those years as yeah. you're starting to mature and yeah. those kind of things. So as I started like becoming like a teenager and a young adult, um, I I finally got into like a really deep depression. Like it's it's inevitable. <laughs> like. Yeah. My whole life, I've like this is my analogy. I use it like this: like you squeeze this bottle so tight, and this top is gonna pop off, yeah. right? Well, like it's it starts to build up, mm-hmm. and instead of lashing out in anger, because you I couldn't, I could never confront anyone. Mm-hmm. Like I remember coming home from school, and I would just like sit in my bedroom for just hours and just mm-hmm. be depressed or attempt to cry, which was hard. Like mm-hmm. tears were turned off or so. It was like you were. Even being emotional, oh, I couldn't. Was hard. You were yeah. afraid to, to go there. I just couldn't. They beat it out of you. Yeah, like you're. Turning. You became numb. Oh yeah, completely numb. Like I couldn't cry for a solid like 10, 15 years. Yeah, I remember we did a youth event a number of years ago. This was a number of years ago, and God gave to me that when people go through these experiences, they do one of two things: they get numb or they get angry. Mm-hmm. It's one of the two options. Yeah. And it sounds like the Holy Spirit and your personality and things like that was more to go towards just not react, not to feel, mm-hmm. and it seems like, you know, God was involved in that and did speak to you, but yeah. it was overwhelming, and your your hiding place was depression, your solution yeah. was depression. Yeah, it was definitely a depression, and living in this, like, I, I've talked to Robin about it, like, I would live in my head a lot, like, daydream constantly. I was in a constant state of daydreaming, and, like, now going through therapy and stuff I, I learned that that's like a huge coping mechanism mm-hmm. like basically just trying to like protect yourself yeah. it's a survival mode because yeah. you have to take yourself somewhere else oh yeah reality is too painful yeah for sure you have to escape like the escapism yeah of when I go to those places in my mind mm-hmm. everything's okay mm-hmm. and I'm not alone and I'm happy and yeah but also the switch off of emotion is a survival tactic too because if mm-hmm. you as a teenager, and especially as a like an adolescent, like young teenager, mm-hmm. if you allow yourself to feel that, you can't function. Yeah. It would be too much. Yeah, and you don't know what to do with it. Cause, yeah. yeah, we weren't given tools or taught like how to handle like emotion and like feelings and stuff like that. You know, mm-hmm. so it was the only thing I could do. And it like to go in that dreaming space, like it was like euphoric for me. I was like I could finally just. Do it like all day all long, the time. Yeah. which is, and I still to this day it's a bad habit. Like I have to be present. Like I have to remind myself to be present. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, years of doing that. So, yeah, one of your mechanisms was escaping. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
this must have affected family life and affected friendships and dating and those kind of things. Dating wasn't allowed. (laughs) (laughs) And um, no, but you laugh about that, but that's. I I laugh, but it's not funny. It was painful because you just think of a person listening here. You know, they're seventeen, eighteen years old, and it's like. The opposite sex is a negative. It's like a fearful thing. Oh, and it yeah. creates all these anxieties. There was huge segregation amongst boys and girls. We had okay. what was called the six-inch rule. Like, we had to be at least six inches away from the opposite sex at all points in time. Like, when we would play tag at school, the boys would have to tag us with a hula hoop. They okay. couldn't just, like, tag your head. <laughs> that wasn't allowed. So, that has led to a lot of bad situations that in life. That has sure led that, yeah. to a lot of... <laughs> Problems. Oh, premise you and hula hoops always Absolutely. go together. So it, it really has. Like that that leads to bad bad things. Yeah, like, I know. Amongst <laughs> boys and girls. <laughs> so I mean, but like even that was just so it made life so unnatural for you. Oh yeah, I didn't yeah. know how to be around men. Yeah. Like when I, as I as I got older and men boys started turning into men, it was extremely uncomfortable. Yeah. Like I've always felt comfortable with you, and I, I remember telling you that. Yeah. Like a father figure. But like, just random men out and about, very uncomfortable. Is that still true today? It's a lot better. Yeah. But um, would you I, say you're a little bit suspicious of men until you get to know them? Not so much suspicious. It's just like I, I, it's like an uncomfortable. Okay. I'm uncomfortable okay. in my own skin. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But if you're taught the opposite sex, you can't go near them, you can't touch them, mm. you can't speak to them. Mm. It becomes sort of the enemy, like. It becomes if I if I talk to them, is there a shame attached to it? Is there like a yeah? I think that's the word, isn't it? Like the shame of yeah. I remember feeling that as a kid, like like if you wanted to talk to a boy, instantly that boy would think you like liked him, like had a crush on him, and everyone would pick on you about it. But like in reality, like boys and girls should be able to talk to each other. So in a <laughs> like, sense, it distorted really any type of normalcy as oh, far as even just talking to people of yeah. both sexes yeah um, for sure yeah okay it, it took you know the boys didn't know how to treat women they mm-hmm. treated you know us very poorly mm-hmm. very much like objects like which, the adults had modeled it for them uh, probably okay. yeah okay. and just by being so strict like and not being exposed to like being able to have friendships with the opposite sex and stuff like so you, you knew the Lord at a young age. Yes, yeah. Okay, so let me ask you, what's it like to know you have Jesus, even as a young girl, and yet people would tell you that your behavior almost discredited your faith? You know what I mean? In other words, they'd sit there and say, well, if you act like that, you're not a Christian. If you act, A Christian wouldn't act like that or say that or dress like that or whatever. Yeah. I mean, did you sense that? Was that a, a real feeling? Um, that's a good question. They wouldn't, like, there was definitely a lot of that, like, held to a standard. They wouldn't say that, like, you know, if you, like, one big thing is, like, sex before marriage. Like, you might as, you might as well go lay down and die if you mm-hmm. fi- found out that was something. They wouldn't say, like, your Christianity was gone, but you would be, like, like the scarlet letter. You're, you're marked. Yeah, yeah, you're marked. Like you would okay. be tainted and stuff like that. I definitely got a feel for that. Like if I, like you never want to let your guard down or wear the wrong thing or say the wrong thing because 
almost like it'd be like a mark on you, mm-hmm. and you would feel less than or like dirty. Dirty. like tainted, dirty. That's a good word, dirty. Did you have any bright lights during that stage of your life, an aunt or a grandmother or a teacher or somebody that just gave you a little bit of love and appreciation yeah. and normalcy? Yeah, but that's what makes me cry. <laughs> <laughs> Man, What's this my is job? awful. <laughs> yeah, my aunt. She um. This is the problem when you don't when you go like twenty years without crying. Now like, you just cry, <laughs> you cry too much. Uh, yeah. Okay. My family. I have a very beautiful close family, like yeah. aunts and uncles and cousins. You have a huge family too. Yeah, like grandparents. Like they were always so like loving, and like that's where I got my normalcy from. Like I would have an aunt that would like pick me up and take me and let me stay with her for like the weekends, or they would come out to where my parents live, like um. They have, like, a vacation home near where my parents live, and I would spend all my time with her and my cousins, and that was, like, literally, like, an escape for me. And they weren't in the same church? No, not at all. Mm -hmm. And did they, your aunt saw that? You think she saw what you were going through? Um, I know my grandma did. My grandma lived very close to us, and she would make comments, like, I'd hear her talking to my grandpa, like, I don't know what... Her parents are thinking putting her in this cult and all like that. <laughs> Italian grandma, she would oh, yeah. let it all spew out. And yeah, like I, there would be questions from like, hey, like how come you're always wearing a skirt? Like, you know, just like it was weird. Like, yeah. Like at skirts, like I always was in a skirt and like. Very, Even when you're playing softball, yeah, you know, yeah, you wore a skirt, yeah. Yeah, like very homely looking because we weren't really allowed to wear like makeup yeah. or like. <laughs> You didn't want to feel pretty because if you felt pretty, you would attract the wrong person. So, yeah, like they were family would make comments and stuff like that. But so, but your family was a saving grace, and you have yeah. a number of believers in your family. Yeah, okay. yeah, absolutely. And your aunt, have you ever just basically had times where you thank God that your aunt was like that representative for him during that time? It was like you weren't completely alone. There absolutely. were people there that spoke to you. Yeah, absolutely. And I told okay. her, you know, so many words like thank you so much for like taking me and like we're on your own yeah yeah because see that's one of the things you know we got people out there listening who don't feel like they have that person mm-hmm. but you know i think one of the things you can tell people is start praying that god will yeah. bring someone in who sees you someone who recognizes yeah. you this podcast could be an answer to prayer for some people just for some people to say lexi what you're saying that's exactly how i yeah. feel right yeah. because you can think you're nuts. You can think you're alone, right? You can think that you're like, sure. am I the only person that feels like this? For or... sure, yeah. Hearing other people's um, stories and examples, it definitely helps because then you can like relate and be like, oh, I'm not crazy. Like I went through very similar circumstances and it wasn't normal. Like, <laughs> yeah, because you think you're alone. Yeah, and like even in this passage of, of Ezekiel, even that God was saying, I see you, sheep, mm-hmm. and I'm grieving, and I. I'm going to do something about it and I want to rescue you that when you're in the deep hurt if you don't have anybody else and you are alone you're like well what hope is there yeah Mm -hmm. how do I how do I go forward how do I move out out of this but to know that the creator of the universe sees you and isn't just like okay with what you're going through but actually wants to rescue you and wants to bring you out of it yeah and he's hurting with you yeah I didn't know that I didn't know that going through those really tough times. I, I only really started realizing that as I've been working with Robin, like this wonderful, beautiful wife. Like, 
she's been such a help to me and she helped me really understand that like God was hurting like with you mm -hmm. through everything you've gone through like you really weren't alone he was there with you yeah and it, it's important for us to realize hurt is hurt pain is pain okay you were deeply hurt by religious and religiosity and legalism okay so if you're listening or in our lives that hurt could be caused by divorce could be caused by uh, so many different things right and so when we listen to your story, Lexi, we go back to that one of the real consequences of deep hurt is loneliness. It just leads to it. Mm -hmm. Like if you go through a severe illness for a long period of time, no matter what your personality is, eventually you end up feeling alone. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is, is because there is a distinct reality to your loneliness. You were in many ways alone, right? But you weren't alone. God always kept his eye on this little girl always had enough there to sustain you through until you kind of entered into adulthood, right? Yeah. I mean, post-high school, college years and yeah. things. Like in my 20s is when he started coming out of the early 20s. So how did you come out of it? What was the, how has God brought you to a place where you can, I mean, you're joyful. You lead worship <laughs> and you lead worship. You're much more expressive even than you were two years ago, yeah. you know. We were joking before. She was saying, I don't know if I'll be able to talk. Well, I think she's doing a pretty good yeah, job. I'm okay. trying my best, people. I'm not the best talker. I, I sing. Like, that's, I'm not nervous singing, but make me talk. I'm like, well, blah, blah, blah. She wanted to turn it into a musical, but I think, I think she's doing a pretty good job. Can we make this a musical? Yeah. yeah, break into a song. But what changed? What, what, what are the turning points that all of a sudden, you know, is it a pretty young adult, all of a sudden started to really change the situation and give you hope and bring, make you into the person you are today? My husband. Your husband? Mm -hmm. Okay. I really have to owe most of it to him because um, I met David when We I can was... edit that part out so it doesn't go <laughs> to his head. So. <laughs> no, she has a wonderful husband. He's a great guy. Yeah. Um, I met David when I was 22. Okay. And um, up until he was like my first boyfriend because like I said... Okay, so on top of being sheltered in my school and church environment, we lived in East Otto in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So I had no friends. Dating was never going to be an option for me. Yeah, there I, wasn't anybody There to was date. no one to yeah. date. Like, no, I had no neighbors. I had no friends. We had, like, cows and bears and all that stuff, right? So, like, you caught Mari Beth. No, so. no. I this mean, isn't making Dave sound great because it sounds like she has no options. No, I don't mean it in that bad way. I love you, It was either Dave or a rabbit. So <laughs> I picked Dave. Oh, man, that's funny. No, so I prayed David in. I prayed. So amongst all my loneliness, you know, I always knew and I always had this desire to be married. Not be like a career or be like even a mother. Like I always knew I was going to be a wife. But I want to interrupt doesn't that seem odd, though? That it, That's God. Mm -hmm. Because most girls that had been through what you had been mm -hmm. through would not want anything to do with And that, that. is yeah. so true. That's why it, it, is a, it has to be a God thing. Mm -hmm. There's no other way about it. But I always had that desire, and I always knew that God was going to bring me this husband and that together we were going to be in, like, music ministry. Mm -hmm. So anytime maybe I would hang out with a guy friend or, like, would meet someone, like, if they weren't musicians, I instantly knew. I was like, check. Nope, off the list. It's not going to work. <laughs> but, yeah, when I was 22, I met David. And um, he just, he 
showed me like reality. Mm-hmm. Like he showed me reality. He introduced me to like real life, mm-hmm. you know, like real life and circumstances and introduced me to like different people and from different backgrounds and stuff like that. You know, people like with, you know, mental health issues, which is a big thing in this area. Like I was mm-hmm. sheltered from just in my little bubble and like dating him and doing life with him like he just opened my eyes in a lot of ways he's had to teach me everything Mm -hmm. and I've had to learn exceptionally fast Mm -hmm. I've had to grow up and learn really really fast Mm -hmm. because I was at a huge disadvantage when he met me Mm -hmm. and 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 Dave does love the Lord and he loves to worship and I think that's some certainly something that knit your hearts that but, was that was definitely the thing. That's how yeah. we met in the first place. <laughs> but I, I think one of the things I just like to point out was is God was there for you during it, it was hard. Mm-hmm. There's always a little bit of light. Mm-hmm. He protected you in some ways. For sure. Still gave you a desire to have a happy marriage, mm-hmm. even though it's mind boggling to me that a person would have that perspective never going what you've gone through. Yeah. But then that you would be crying and asking for that person, and he mm-hmm. brought that person to you. Yeah. And I sit there and I just think about so many of the people that are listening now who feel like the hurt that they have in their life is going to preclude them ever being happy, yeah. ever having a good marriage, ever mm-hmm. escaping depression, those kind of things. Yeah. Um, if you could sit down, Lexi, and talk to a girl who's right in the middle of your story, mm-hmm. lonely, isolated, all these kind of things. If you could talk to her, what would you say? What What would you say to a kid that was you? You know, go back and not talk to your younger self, but somebody was in that same yeah. situation. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing would be is don't believe the lies that you might be told about God. Like, he is, he loves you. Mm-hmm. And you're like, you're, you are precious to him. You are his son, you are his daughter. Like, hold on to that because that is, like, the one true hope that mm-hmm. is going to help you mm-hmm. get through everything. And if you can really believe in that and, like, live your life in that. Like, when we really understand, if we can really understand the concept that, like, God created you, Jody, Like, he created you from con- conception. Like, you are everything that he ever wanted you to be. Like, that is so empowering. Like, you can't do no wrong. (laughs) When you think about, like, we are God's daughters, like, we are so precious to him. Like, that, I think I've always believed it. Like, and I I held on to that, and it helped keep me going and, like, give me hope. And I I wasn't afraid to pray for those things that I wanted, like a husband and, like, music ministry and stuff. Mm -hmm. Because I believed that. I knew that I was, in God's eyes, worthy of having that. So one of the the great lessons is, is, Legalism will tell you that the only way you're ever going to really be loved is if you conform to everything. Right. But even if you conform to everything, you're not loved. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and somehow God's grace was able to continue just to let you know that you were loved. Mm-hmm. And you never completely lost sight of that. And it really wasn't until you were older that you really began to enter into that and really just blossom. Yeah. So I'm, isn't it safe to say that if there's people that are listening that are in a season of hurt right now, mm-hmm. it may go on for a while. Sometimes oh, yeah. you, you couldn't escape it as a little girl. No, yeah, like in those circumstances, like you have no choice. Like you're put into that. Like I didn't right. choose. I didn't choose that. Right. And God doesn't always uh, solve things 
there's times that we go through these processes and as you go back now and you look at um, who you are today and what you went through, a lot of those experiences as hurtful and as painful as they were have sensitized you to people. Absolutely. Have broken you for worship. Oh yeah. Led you to a great husband. It, it's made me who I am. Yeah. It really has. Yeah, and it, it's, it's hard sometimes because what we do is we look at life and sometimes what we're facing right now we talk about this, Joey, but remember the difference between hurt and pain? Yeah. There's the thing that hurts you, and then pain is what comes out of it. Yeah. What mm-hmm. hurt you is legalism, and pain mm-hmm. comes. And there's sometimes we're looking at our lives, and it seems like a train wreck. Yeah. yeah. You know, it just seems like there's no sense to it. There's no end to it. I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, C.S. Lewis, I think it was one time, said, you know, it's like being in a train station, and your train has just gone off the tracks. And now your life is thrown off, you're going to miss this, you're so upset, you don't understand, you know, all this kind of stuff. And he says, and then they come and tell you that there's no more trains going out today, so now you got to spend there overnight. It seems like everything's wrong, just because you're looking at the one train in front of you that went off the tracks. Mm-hmm. But he says, then they take you up to the control room, and you see how everything has been messed up by this accident. And you're trying to see how they have to work all of these things together to get these people to these destinations. And he was saying that's kind of what it's like in life sometimes. Sometimes your, your train is off the track, but you forget that God is in control of everything, yeah. working mm-hmm. it together. Yeah. And eventually he's going to get Lexi where she needs to go. Absolutely. We had a girls' day recently, and I found myself teaching a bunch of 7- to 12-year-old girls that they could feel safe in the midst of pain and in the midst of hurt because they were daughters of the boss of the universe. Mm-hmm. And like putting it in that language that doesn't sound like I'm not reading a piece of scripture, I'm not using Christianese, but I'm saying like your heavenly father, your dad mm-hmm. is the boss of the universe. Mm-hmm. And like that brings comfort because you're like, okay, I can't decide, I'm not in control of what other people do to me yeah. or what circumstances I find myself in. I'm not always in control of that, but God sees it and he's aware of it and he grieves mm-hmm. and he's the yeah. And you're his now. child. Like, and you're his child and he cares about you. Yeah. And there and there are times it may seem like he's away a little while, mm. but he's coming home. And God is a God of justice. And he is the one who sits there and saw all that you went through, mm. but he loves you and still can take that experience mm. and make it into something yeah. incredible. It doesn't mean that he was a neglectful or bad father because you had to go through those circumstances. Right. You live in a fallen world with fallen people. Yeah, and I know, I know, he wasn't. I know God had nothing to do with that. Like, if anything, like I think back and I think, like, how angry that must make God to see people that call themselves Christians that are in charge of children, mm-hmm. young children, and they're using the Bible and Christianity in His name to just beat them down. Like, we get. We gotta stop and listen to we gotta stop and listen to what you just said. Yeah. You realize God never ordained that, never wanted that. That was not God who God was and how it hurt him and broke his heart at that time and you could feel that. If you're listening to this podcast and you're in tremendous hurt, it isn't because God hurt you or God has left you or neglected you. We live in a fallen world, but he is broken hearted. And you got a chance to meet that broken heart in a real way mm-hmm. at the tail end of the experience. And now it's just, it's made such a deep relationship between you and God, yeah. right? And that's what hurt can do. But if you're on the other side of the story, it can seem like God's not loving, like he doesn't care, like he's not paying 
-hmm. That is not what is true. It's just not true, yes. and that's not what the scriptures that's, teach. That's definitely the lie that the devil wants to put in there. Yeah. You know? And the anger can make you feel that way, too. Because it is, like, going through everything I went through, like, I can get really angry. Yeah. And it's real. But I, you know, and I kind of have to let myself feel that. You can't you can't stuff it down. No. But I, at the same time, I can't let the devil use that anger as, like, me being angry at God. And, like, you weren't there for me and believing yeah. that. That's that's not true. No, and we talk about the, the purpose of the podcast is is we get hurt, okay? Mm -hmm. But we can get angry at God, and that needs to be resolved. Mm -hmm. We can be angry at ourselves, and we yeah. can be angry at other people. Yeah. If you don't resolve those things, you're going to be miserable. That's so true, right? <laughs> yeah. And but once those things start to resolve, God can restore your relationship with Him. He can mm -hmm. heal you. He can also restore the relationships that have been damaged. Absolutely. One of the things we do on every podcast is we share one of the attributes of God, and the one we're going to share today is that God is a God of love. We're going to give you a little bit of a definition. Do you have that, Jody? Yeah. Okay. Just listen to this. This is a definition of an attribute of God, and that is love. God is love. His love is deep, and he has a consistent affection and interest in you and all of his children. He loves every one of his kids equally, but expresses that love different to each of us according to our personality and our strengths and weaknesses. He loves us continually in our flaws, failures, rebellion, brokenness, questioning, and hurt. God loves each of you as if there was only one of us. God not only loves you, he loves loving you. Okay. And can I add something? Yeah, we'll have, mm -hmm. He likes you too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not that he's just our dad and he loves us, but like he chooses, he yeah. chooses to enjoy us and he chooses to like us yeah, yeah and it's important that you remember that when you're in a school and the kids are making fun of you and they don't like you mm -hmm. because of whatever reason it doesn't make any difference because your father likes you yeah. mm -hmm. and it goes back to that whole thing identity if you're secure that your father loves you you can deal with people not liking you mm -hmm. but if you're not secure that god loves you and yeah. likes you those people can devastate you. Yeah, that's true. I've been working a lot with that. Yeah. yeah. That, um, like, being able to receive God's love, like, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Lexi, would you close us in prayer? And just, sure. would you pray for the, the kids out there and the former kids out there that have been hurt by legalism and just pray for them? Yeah, okay. absolutely. Uh, dear God, I just thank you so much for allowing us to be able to sit here together and just discuss these things, Lord. I pray that they would be used for your good, Lord, that they would reach the hearts and the ears of those that need to hear them, Lord. And uh, just please be with all of the, the men and women, the boys and girls that are out there just uh, stuck, stuck in legalism. And just uh, don't let them believe the lies, Lord, the lies that they're told, that they're, they're taught, God. I just pray that you would touch their, their minds and their hearts and just deliver them, Lord. Deliver them in your time and, yeah. and just bring them out of uh, the place that they're in, God, and that you would use them and their stories for your honor and glory. And I just thank you and praise you for all that you have done um, in my life and all that you continue to do, God. I just thank you so much for your love. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Lexi, you did great. You were all worried, and she did great. I, I blew it a couple times, but but Jody, yeah. thank you again for being here today. And uh, our next guest on our next podcast is going to be a real doozy. You're going to absolutely love this girl. 
And um, I'll just give you a little bit of a teaser. Uh, when she was a little girl, she lived in Bulgaria with her parents under communism. And she's going to tell a story about escaping that and living in America and all that. It's a fantastic story. But she's going to talk about what it's like to feel imprisoned mm. and how to find freedom in Christ. So until our next podcast, God bless you.